Yes. <clears throat> Go back to Elma. Elma, Washington. That's right. Tom Hepworth was the pastor at that time. And uh, yeah, I was I was a I do remember it and we were my wife and I were talking about it in the car when <clears throat> when we were uh, going home because it was a big day uh for me also. Uh my brother who had uh was grew up like me in the Lutheran church and uh he uh he he married somebody who was of Jewish background, and and um, they uh, they got married in the Lutheran church, and but they weren't serving the Lord, and they wanted me to marry him, and I told him that I would marry them, but but uh, if they ever at any point in time in their marriage had any trouble, I wanted them to come and talk to me, and and uh, they I, I wanted to commit commit to that, so. Uh, a couple of years after into their marriage, they were running into some trouble, and they came, and I took them through a little booklet that we had on new beginnings, and it would start with self, repentance, salvation, all, all these things, water baptism, and as we went through each step, I prayed prayers with them, and they took each step one by one, and we just finished the bap, uh, a lesson on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the thing I was asked to speak on when I came to the Elma was on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I invited my brother to come up with me, and after the service, we had an altar call. As I remember, we had about 40 people who came forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My brother was one of them, and he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit that night, and it was a great night for him and us, and we remember that very, very well. So that was a, that was a good time. That was our first encounter with the McGregors, and we've stuck with them ever since. Hallelujah. And now, they're our pastors. How about that? Uh, how, how, things, how things work out. Well, tonight, I want to share a message with you that is actually as much preaching to myself as I am to you. One of the things you learn if you've been in leadership for a long time or even just been around for a long time is that there are no perfect people in the church. Have you found that? You've gone to churches. I've gone to churches all over the world, and I have yet to find a perfect person. And uh, I, I tell people, don't, uh, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find one. And if you do find one, don't join it because you're going to mess it up. <clears throat> I'm not perfect. I'm still on the path of the just. I'm still growing in God. I'm still becoming, hoping, hopefully becoming more like Jesus. And so we still all have a few problems and few issues in our life. And so God has called us sometimes in leadership to help perfect the saints, but then we got to be perfected too. And that's what the saints do. They perfect us. And uh, we work on each other as we walk together into the future and into our future. Tonight I want to talk about <clears throat> this extreme makeover, or the subtitle is Dare to Change Your Life. When we think of the term extreme makeover, I think we think of maybe some TV programs that we've thought of or seen. Uh, my wife and I like to watch these fixer-upper shows and stuff where they take an old dumpy house and knock out a bunch of walls and fix it up and make it into a palace and uh, so what starts out as kind of a so-so house, or in some cases, this one show is called Good Bones. They start from really, really, really bad houses, and they're usually filled with a bunch of crud. And uh, you have to hold your nose when you go into them. And by the time the show is over, in a half an hour, that's all it takes, in a half an hour, or maybe an hour, they transform these homes into something gorgeous and beautiful that you you be happy to move into and spend the rest of your life there. and uh, But they, it's an extreme makeover. We start one way, and then there's a change. 
They used to have a program about a makeover which had to do with more physical looks and so forth. And you start out from the before and then they go through all these different things. I don't know. They use Botox. I don't know what they use. Scalpels. I don't know. Some surgery. I don't know what they use. But at the end, they come out with a hairstylist and everything else. And here's this, all this beautiful creation that they've come up with, a stream makeover. What? Well, there's, uh, that's good in the housing industry. That's good in the makeup world. But what about our spiritual lives? I think that God is interested in extreme makeover when it comes to our own spiritual life and development. When we think of the word extreme, we think of not just a small thing, not just a simple thing. I think sometimes when we think of the word extreme, we think of something a little bit more radical in relationship to the change. It's like night and day. I know when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, my life turned around 180 degrees. There was no question in my mind. You can look back there. I lost just about all my friends because of it because we used to do parties and drink and all that kind of stuff together. And then when I go to the parties, I just talk to them about the Lord. They didn't start inviting me anymore. <laughs> but the change was so dramatic, and God is into dramatic change. But not just dramatic change for the sake of change. He's interested in change because he has a plan for every one of our lives. There's something that he wants to us, us to accomplish. It's amazing to me, most of us have memorized this little phrase, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And most of us believe it to the point that we tell it to other people, maybe even lost people, trying to coach them into the kingdom of God. But I think sometimes we need to re-listen to that for ourselves. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I think even sometimes you see it in oh, the world of movies and so forth where actually, or even talking to unsaved people, unsaved people will occasionally uh, come up and they'll say, well, I just think we're here for a reason. You ever hear anybody say that? There's got to be more of this than that. Well, isn't evolution wonderful? How it can bring purpose and meaning to our life. No, not actually. But inside everybody, there's this sense, hey, I'm on this earth for a reason. There's something that I'm supposed to accomplish while here. As believers, we call it the will of God. God has a will and a purpose for every one of our lives. And really, we spend a certain amount of our time just looking and trying to understand what that might be. I know a lot of times we have prophetic assemblies and different things, and we talk about reading the Bible and seeking the face of the Lord and spending time, personal time with the Lord. Well, what is that for? It's to hear from God. It's to get direction from the Lord because we believe in our inner core that God does love us, and he does have a wonderful plan for our life, and there's something that he wants us to do. But the thing is, we've got to go from where we are to where he wants us to be, and in doing that, there's got to be a makeover so that we can become more effective. And so when we think of a makeover from a, in a spiritual sense, we think of key words like change, growth, progress. They're all biblical, advancement, development, maturation, increase. These are all biblical concepts. And they should be a, a, a part of our faith as Christian people that we are constantly looking at these words, growing, developing, increasing. I think of so many scriptures that seem to highlight this. For instance, there's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, which says, The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto a perfect day. The whole idea there is that we are on a journey. We are on a path. Our life is taking its course, but God's plan for us is that we should, it should be like a shining light that shines more 
and more and more as we go into the perfect day. There will become a perfect day. We haven't arrived at that yet. That actually comes when Jesus returns. But until then, we're on this path. We're on this journey. And we're, we start at one level. And hopefully as we walk through our life, we get closer and closer to Jesus. We become more like him. We, we are, become more and more effective at what we are doing and everything that we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says that we are changed from glory to glory, from one level to the next. Now, I don't go, God's plan never goes backwards. In other words, I don't go, move from something that is glorious to something that is less than glorious. No, when God moves, he moves us up, up, up. It's like going up a stairs. He goes from glory to glory, and, and you know, even the Bible affirms in relationship to the, the temple that the glory of the latter house is greater than the glory of the former house. So God's desire for us in, in our relationship to him is that it should get better and better and better as the days go by. Now, you've heard of couples that have been married for 50 years. My wife and I have been married for 48 years. Uh, we, will, we will make it to 50 for sure and 75 uh, we're not thinking of making any changes there, but we've had to do a lot of changing in our relationship. But you've heard people say, well, we're more in love today than we were when we first met. And we go, nah, I don't believe that. But yet it's actually possible. Do they look better? No. Not in the mirror. But there's the person inside that's better. Outside, the Bible says the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. And if you're living with somebody who's seeking the Lord and you're seeking the Lord, the chances of you actually having better days tomorrow than you had today are pretty high because God just makes you a better husband. He makes you a better father, makes you a better wife because you become more like him. And so we're in this process continually. In Ephesians 4, 15, it says we are to grow up into him. Now, Christ is the goal. That's what we're to grow up into. And so I realized that uh, as they, they, somebody pointed out this evening that we, you know, follow Christ. It was David or somebody referred to me. I, no, no, I, I, I'm a long ways off from being totally Christ-like right now. I got a few of his attributes, and that's good, but I got a few that are still fully my own. And uh, yet God wants to root some of those things out because our goal is to be like Jesus. You know, we sing those songs, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. But then when we stop and think about, do I really want to be like Jesus? Well, yes, we do because that's where the joy of living will be. That's where the will of God will be. That's where all of those things that we were born to be will come to fruition. And so we are to grow up into him. And so he's the one we have our eyes on. We don't look at each other. In comparison, well, if I could just be as good as Dave, or I could just be as good as this other person, I'd feel good. So my wife says, well, you know, you've got a lot of growing to do. Yeah, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Be lucky you don't have them for us. Well, that's not, that's not the comparison. The comparison is Jesus. Have we got any more growth to do in that department? And so uh, the Ephesians says, grow up into him in all things, not just some things, more and more like Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. 
We prove the will of God in our lives by actually entering into it, and we enter into it by giving ourselves to God and, and responding to his voice in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 4.10 says we are to increase more and more. 2 Corinthians 10.15 says our faith is to continue to grow. 2 Peter 3.18 says we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. I personally believe that for all eternity we're going to be growing in the knowledge of him. I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but you read the Bible. Hopefully you read the Bible. You maybe read it year after year, not just one time, but many times. And sometimes you're reading the Bible, and you know because you've read the Bible before that you've read this passage before, but all of a sudden you see something brand new in it. You ever have that happen? Bible, And God speaks to you in a fresh way through it. And I've been studying the Bible for many, many years and reading the Bible for many, many years, but every time I read the Bible with an open heart, God opens something up to me or he speaks to me in a fresh way. I kind of think that's what it's going to be like in eternity with our relationship to the Lord, is that every day for eternity we're going to wake up, wow, isn't Jesus wonderful? Wow, there's something new about him I didn't realize before. And it's just that growing in the knowledge of him, and when we grow in the knowledge of him, we grow to appreciate him more and more. So this Christian walk with God is a progressive walk. It's on and on. It's deeper and deeper. It's more and more right up into the time where we meet him either through the grave or when he returns to receive us all together to himself at the second coming of Christ. The scripture that kind of sums it up is Philippians chapter 1, verse 16. I'm reading from the Amplified, which I sometimes refer to as the multiple choice version. But it says in, in Philippians 1.16, I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing to full completion uh, it, that, in, that thing in you. So God's working in us. There's, there's, he began a good work, and the thing about God is different than so many of us. When he starts something, he finishes it. If you're like me, I start things, and then when I get frustrated, I put it aside. And then it goes from being aside to up on the shelf. Goes from being up on the shelf to up in the attic, and then it ends up in some garage sale somewhere or the Salvation Army. But there's a lot of unfinished projects that we have, but God's not like that. We have unfinished projects because sometimes we don't realize what it's going to take to do it. We don't realize how many resources. We don't realize what it's going to cost. We don't realize how much time it's going to take. We don't realize that we're, it's not going to thrill us as much as we thought it was. But God is never like that because he knows everything. He knows exactly how much it's going to cost from the very beginning. Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He knew it was going to cost him his son. He knew it was going to cost him everything, but he thought it was worth it. And so he, he's, he began a good work, and because he began it, we know he's going to complete it. He's going to do his part. But what are we going to do in relationship to our part, and how do we respond to the grace of God that he's been giving to us? Well, there's nowhere in the Bible that we are instructed to become faint, to relax in our efforts, to settle down, taper off as the years go by. I think it's our natural tendency, no matter what we do, to either cool off or lose interest. But when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, when it comes to fulfilling the purpose of God, God's challenge and His grace and His Holy Spirit is there for us to stir ourselves up. So we're to stir ourselves up. Sometimes we pray, Holy Spirit, stir me up. I've prayed that prayer before. Oh, Lord, just stir me up. He says, stir yourself up. 
Sometimes we're asking God to do for us what we are commanded by him to do for ourselves. So we're to stir ourselves up. We're to press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We're to take the kingdom by force. We're to possess our inheritance. We're to lay hold of God's will for our lives. We're to fight the good fight of faith. These are challenges that the Bible gives to us, and it puts the responsibility squarely on us. We're believers. We love God. He loves us. We have received his grace. We've been created for the purpose of good works. Uh, God has a plan for our life, and we're to kind of reach out and seize that which God has provided for us. And most of us, when we start out, we have this understanding to some degree or another. And so many times our salvation was a great turnaround in our life, and oftentimes we began with great zeal. I remember when I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that was the biggest turnaround moment in my life, that I had such a hunger for God and such a hunger for the Word. I was looking for meetings to go to all the time. I didn't always know where to find them, but if I didn't know where to find them, I'd go down to the local Christian bookstore and ask them where the meetings were. And there would always be some kind of gathering taking place at one place or another, I was looking for charismatic ones at the time. And uh, so they would tell me about them, and they said, well, there's a women's Bible study. Oh, I'll go to that. And it didn't matter what, who or what group was meeting. If they were going to talk about the Bible, I wanted to be there. I know other people, and maybe Pete was in this category, uh, who when they got saved, they would uh, skip their lunch, and they'd go sit in their car and read the Bible. And pray. Just a desire to hear the word of God and to, and to receive from the Lord. And uh, in those seasons and in those times early on, many of us were very dedicated. We, we had goals. We had dreams. We had spiritual aspirations. Uh, we had some spiritual vitality, maybe even a hunger for more, desire to please God in any way that we could. I had such a desire I wanted to please God that I would ask him about everything. Uh, is this the brand of water, God, you want me to buy? What about the other one? Is this, is this okay? It's kind of asking him almost stupid questions because you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to miss God or you didn't want to uh, displease him in any way. Sometimes over time, we lose that simplicity in our relationship to the Lord and we don't consult him about anything. And yet God wants to be very much involved in our lives. I'm not saying that we should ask him what kind of water to drink. But you know, there are so many things we should be touching base with him about when it comes to our lives. So we started out well, but somehow Satan has come along. He's taken his bag of tools, and he's done everything he can to dissuade us and discourage us through temptation, through condemnation, through evil thoughts and other things, and all with an effort to cool us down. He'll use whatever he thinks he can to stop the purpose of God in our lives because he knows that if we dedicate ourselves to the will of God and everyone around us dedicates themselves to the will of God, his days are extremely numbered. And he, just like he resisted Jesus when he was here, he's going to resist us. His goal is to dissipate the spiritual strength that is moving through us. And Satan has been successful to some degree in many cases. Maybe it's because of the ignorance of Satan's devices or maybe uh, we don't have our armor in place like we need to. But sometimes he's been able to neutralize us, maybe not permanently, but through seasons of our life where it's like we're put on the sideline and we're no longer really fighting the good fight of faith. Maybe you're a person that that's happened to, where you, you can look back at a time where you had much greater spiritual vitality than you do now. 
I was challenged one time about this. Somebody had said, you know, if you can think of a time where you were more on fire for the Lord than you are right now, you're moving backwards and not forwards. There is an ability to, maybe I don't have all the physical strength that I used to have. I can't stand for two hours at one time. But maybe I don't have all the natural things going for me, but in my spirit, I can be renewed every single day. And I can come before the Lord every single day. And I can hear his voice every single day. And I can actually be more in tune with what God is wanting me to do every single day. I'm not saying that happens for me every single day. I've gone through seasons just like everybody else. But I'm a season right now where I want to hear God's voice afresh and say, what is your will and plan for me right now? Some people, you know, what happened to us, some people maybe were drawn away or enticed into sin. I was a cigarette smoker for years. Well, wasn't like last year or the year before, but when I was uh, in co- uh, high school and, and early college years, I was a smoker, and it was an addiction in my life. When I became a when I gave my life to Jesus, uh, I was able to walk out of that addiction, and uh, haven't gone back into it. But I know there are lots of times in cases where people have walked out of certain sins, they've been delivered from them, only to later on, even after they've been Christians, to walk back into them again. And so there have been people who have been maybe taken out of the game through sin, but thankfully you've repented. Thankfully you've made things right with God and man. Thankfully you've served your time, so to speak, but for many they're still on the outside looking in. Satan has told you you're all washed up, you'll never play again, the hurdle's too big, you can never be overcome, you don't deserve a second chance, you've sold your birthright. I don't know what he said, he's over. That's the kind of language he speaks to us. And if you've been hearing those voices, it's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's telling you other things. Listen, I died for that. I have grace to cover that. I can give you a new start. I'm the God of second chances. Just like Samson had a great call on his life, had an angelic visitation to his parents, had a prophetic word about what he would do, had some great exploits as he was younger, got tangled up with Delilah, you know the story, lost his strength. But at the end of his life, he came back. God's power came back on him. His hair began to grow again. And the Bible tells us that he actually accomplished more in the last act of his life than he did in the accumulation of his life up till that point. There is a, God is a God of second chances. Number two, some of had an experience that they feel has disqualified them from active service in God's army. It could be anything. It could be a divorce. It could be a child out of wedlock. It could be a criminal record. It could be alcoholism. It could be a child that's turned his back on God. It could be bankruptcy. Any of these kinds of things, the devil has an ability to take these things and beat us down with these things and say, well, because this happened to you, you have forfeited your future. Well, it doesn't mean that those things haven't cost us dearly. It doesn't mean that those things haven't maybe sidetracked us at certain points. Uh, I'm not saying God has pleasure in any of those things, but what I'm saying is if we've truly repented and made it right with God and man, then we do have a future in God. God still wants to use us for great and mighty things. 
God is a God of restoration. Paul had a great future even though he had killed Christians. Matthew had a great future even though he had cheated some of his own people. David had a future even though we know he committed adultery and really murder, even though he didn't actually commit the murder, but yet he was able to find his way back to God and God was able to put back the pieces of his life. Yes, there were consequences that lingered, but he was able to, the Bible says in the book of Acts, he served the will of God in his generation. So somehow God didn't remember all that anymore and only saw where he ended up and not kind of how he got there. So God was able to put the pieces of these lives together to get glory out of their, their lives. All of these things leave scars, but they can become a testimony of God's grace and God's power of deliverance when we share these things even with others. Number three, some have made wrong choices in their early Christian life. Now they feel it's too late to change their course. I know I started out <clears throat> studying to be a Lutheran pastor. And honestly, I was in a system where I was in a Lutheran training uh, uh, program for pastors when I was 13 years old. And I went to four years of school, of boarding school, being trained to be a Lutheran pastor. I went to four years of college being trained to be a Lutheran pastor. I was in four, four years of seminary to being trained to be a Lutheran pastor. And when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was no good to be a Lutheran pastor. And I started uh, back to Bible Temple in Portland only to become a good member. And I wasn't trained for anything else. It was like, okay, now what do I do? I, I, I'll just get a, a job as a mechanic. I used to work on cars. I'll get a job as a mechanic, pay my tithe and attend. I don't know. I think I've lost everything. But you know what? God take a life like that, and he can move you anywhere he wants to move you. Uh, sometimes we, we don't want to change. We start out in one direction. Well, I, I got this degree. My parents helped me get this degree. I really don't like law. I met a guy the other day. He was uh, pursuing a law degree. And somebody asked me one time, he said, do you think I should go into law? I said, do you like re reading really, really big books with really fine print and, and the words you can't understand? No, you won't like law. <laughs> but he was, felt like he was stuck. He owed his parents to stay there because they had paid for his education. And he didn't like it. He didn't, didn't believe it was the will of God. Eventually he changed to something else, totally unrelated, and he's as happy as he can be. Not making quite as much money, but he's not the butt of a lot of jokes either. <laughs> but sometimes we, we go down a road, we make some choices that take us over here, and we sort of feel like, well, there's no road back. But the truth of the matter is, God has a road back for us if we will have faith to dare to change our life. Sometimes he wants us to make a course adjustment. I'm not talking about change for the sake of change. I'm talking about change that puts us dead center in the will of God for our lives. Don't think that just because you've been heading down this road for 20 years. My dad enrolled in Bible school when he was 73 years old. Well, I remember one lady in Bible school, she was 86, coming to classes at Bible school, sitting there with all these 17 and 18 and 19-year-olds, and uh, they called her mom or grandma or something, and uh, she just was enjoying this season of her life. And she was volunteering for this and volunteering for that. I hope I have that much strength when I'm 86 years old. Caleb did. Why not me? So sometimes we feel like life is out of control. We're in a whirlpool. We, have, we can't do anything different. But the reality is that's just Satan trying to keep us 
into a situation where we're not as effective as we could be if we were actually maybe doing something else. Satan's convinced for you, you're too old, stay where you are, uh, then try to change and be, because it's too late for you, you're too old to change. I'm here to tell you, you're never too old to change. And you can teach an old dog new tricks. I'm not, not talking about anybody but myself. I'm the old dog up here. No one's too old for Bible school. No one's too old for business school. No one's too old to learn the computer. No one's too old to do these things. If they are consistent with God's plan for your life, there will be grace upon it. You can change your life. You don't have to settle for the status quo. You're not too old to career change, learn a computer, go back to school, get involved in a new ministry, jump into something that was in your heart for years and years. Uh, we, we had this lady this morning. Her name was June Brown. Just met her today, but... What a great testimony. Here's a lady who, she, she, she came up to me after the service because I used her for an illustration in the message, which I'd already previously asked her if I could. And she came up and I want you to know the rest of the story about her going to Africa because that wasn't mentioned tonight. She's going to Africa to help in a school and an orphanage over there. And uh, she said, when I was six years old, I was in a Baptist church. I got a word from somebody that I was going to be a missionary someday. And she said, uh, then later on, I, I got another incident in my life. But you know what? My life took a, a turn and went all kind of different ways and got a divorce, this, 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 this thing. And I got a prophetic word a couple of years ago, and I got a prophetic word more recently that God was going to do that. And he was, even gave me the specific nation I was to go to. And uh, she went on a ministry trip with Rod and the team, and uh, it, it was solidified in her heart, and now she's on her way to move over there. Well, she's been faithful here, but now she's doing what was in her heart when she was six years old. And there's a lot of things that we have in our hearts that God has placed there. And some of us are maybe living in a little bit of regret, and we need to ask God, is there any way to get back to what you want me to do? Now, I'm not talking about somebody that answered a missionary call because it was hyped up and because cause if you're good at altar calls, you can get everybody out of their seats. I'm talking about... You felt it deep in your soul. This is what God wants me to do. Well, you'd be surprised. There are ways to get back to the purpose of God. We need to ask God for a Caleb spirit that says, give me that mountain even at 86 years old. The fourth thing is some have experienced a failure of some kind that brought them into a place of personal or public humiliation in ministry. Maybe you tried to step out at one time and it didn't go so well. And that humiliation that you experienced has kind of kept you paralyzed to move any further. Well, you know, God has forgiven you. Uh, he, he appreciates the fact that we've taken steps of faith, but I want you to know that every successful person that you know around you has experienced one failure after another. I can't tell you for sure how many times Abraham Lincoln ran for office, but he, he lost just about every race he ran for except president. <laughs> and finally, when he was elected president, it was it was a... Uh, a quirky thing the way it happened anyway. And uh, yet today we honor him as the greatest president we've ever had. And so God wants to, to, to give us a fresh heart, fresh vision. I'd like to just kind of conclude the message by just giving you a couple of things that what does God want to do for us today? I think God wants to do something for every one of us today. 
Uh, first of all, I think he wants to extend a second chance to us this evening. God is a God of second chances. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of new beginnings. And it doesn't matter what age we are, God can meet us in a fresh way. I think God wants to get us back on the path of the just. He wants to get his people motivated and moving once again. For some of us, it's like we've been sitting on the sidelines. We used to be very active, used to be very involved, but now we're just sort of watching others. I think it's time to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I appreciate Paul's attitude when he got saved. Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh, Help us to see Satan's devices when he comes against us and tries to discourage us. Let's rise up in faith uh, and accept that challenge. What does God want from me today? He wants me to stir myself up once again. He wants me to come back to his perfect plan for my life. He wants me to dare to change my life. What does that mean? Well, for some, it might mean a career adjustment. It might mean reaching out again for a ministry that God laid on our heart. It might be becoming a better employer, a husband, father, uh, that they'd really like to be, reaching out and restoring some broken relationships that are just hanging out there somewhere, and you know that they're not honoring to God. Some need to get back to that close relationship with God that they had at the first, develop that first love relationship. They say that life begins at 40. Actually, life begins the moment we begin to respond to the things that God is saying. People that get bored are probably not living this way. Because when we come to the Lord for his marching orders every day and we listen to his voice, he's going to have things for us to do that are going to be exciting. And so God wants to restore us to life. Life could begin for each of us in a fresh way today if we will begin by responding to what God is saying. We might be 60 years old. We might be 70 years old. I'm almost 70. And I'm believing God for great things for the future. You know that when Social Security was started, the average age, uh, life expectancy in America was 65. Not hard to see why 65 to get Social Security is a good number. Actually, it was 65.3, so you had 0.3 years to enjoy all the things you wanted to do in your retirement before you kicked the bucket. And they didn't have to pay out a whole lot of Social Security because everybody was paying in, and you only had like a third of a year you had to pay out. Well, now the life expectancy in the U.S. is 78.3. So we got another 15 or so years, almost 15 years, and they say if you live past 70 today, you're probably going to live to 90. So we, we may have another 25 years of the will of God to do. And uh, I think God wants us to reevaluate this time because we still got energy because we're all really, really healthy. We're going to ask the doctors are really taking good care of us. And what are we going to do with all this energy? Well, we're going to ask God, God, give me a fresh vision. Give me a fresh heart. Give me a new beginning because, Lord, I want to I use the, what strength I have in the rest of my life to live a life that's consistent with your purpose and help you to reach those who have not been reached yet. I want you to stand with me as we pray together. There are so many ways that we can use our energy and use our life, but it starts from our own personal heart, our own personal desire. If you love Jesus, raise your hand. Oh, that's just about everybody. That's good. 
Jesus loves you too. He told me to tell you that. But what Jesus loves even more is when we who are in relationship with him, we who are part of his family, will engage in the family business. Pastor Bob, a couple of Sundays ago, told us what the family business was. Family business is to go into all the world and reach people for Christ. It's okay to be involved in other things, but that needs to be the hub focus of our lives. So how am I going to take my life? How am I going to take the energy that God has given to me? Well, I'm going to give it back to him and ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? So I'd like to pray for those today. And if, you, if we have an altar team here tonight, do we have an altar team here tonight? Maybe they could come forward and we'll be, be here to pray. If you relate to any one of these things that I've mentioned tonight, maybe you were drawn away earlier on. Maybe you fell into some sin or whatever, pulled back into sin. And you just feel like the devil has told you you have no future, there's nothing you can do. Or maybe you had some experience that happened in your life that you feel like, this has really disqualified me. I, I lost my birth right now. All I can do is to support others. The devil has been whispering these things in your ear. You made wrong choices. You made bad choices. It's too late for you. It's too late for a change. Or maybe you experienced some kind of failure in ministry and it brought humiliation and the devil's just kind of beat you down with that. Every time you think about doing something, he reruns that tape in your mind and, and you see yourself failing again. And he's used that to keep you from trying again. If you're in any one of those, I want you to come to a fresh start. You need a new beginning. You need to get back on the path of the just. I want you to come to some of these people that are standing up here who are well-equipped to pray for you. And they're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray also. So while I'm praying, if you'd like to come forward and have people pray for you, please do so while I'm praying. Lord, I thank you today that you've called us. Thank you that you've chosen us to be part of your spiritual family. Lord, I thank you that you have equipped us with special gifts, talents, and abilities that are to be used for you. Lord, tonight I want to stand with others as we present ourselves back to you as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And Lord, I pray that tonight as we reach out to you and we reach out to your grace, Lord, we will see you as the God of new beginnings. We will see you as the God of restoration. We will see you as a God of forgiveness and grace who will forgive the past and get us back on track for the future. Lord, I'm thankful today that you are a God who is patient. Thankful tonight that you are a God who is kind. And thankful tonight that you are a God who is just and righteous in every way. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God that we can trust and we can put our confidence in you. And that, Lord, you have our very best interest in mind. And no matter what we've been through, Lord, you have an answer for that. Because your desire, Lord, is for us to be whole. Your desire for us is to be healed. Your desire is for us to be living lives of significance and making a difference in the world around us. And so, Lord, I pray for every one of us tonight who've come under the attack of the enemy, who's come under the condemnation of the enemy, who have been through things that they feel have taken them out of the game. Lord, I pray tonight that you will touch each one of our hearts and, Lord, cause us to see the reality as it exists in your kingdom. Lord, you love us. You have a wonderful plan for your life, our lives. That, that plan has not changed. Your purposes in our life have not changed. Lord, you, want, you are there by your Holy Spirit, by your grace, to get us back to that place 
of relationship with you and purpose in our lives that you have spoken over us. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray your blessing upon each one and your word in Jesus' name. Amen.